0: Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross. This is the 2023 Monte Carlo Masters Preview. Always nice for clay court season to get underway after what is a very long stretch of hard court tennis. About eight months we go uh, stretching the U.S. Open lead up to the indoor hard court fall to the Australian Open to the Sunshine Double now it's uh, it's always a nice breath of fresh air to get the clay. And a great way to start is Monte Carlo, the most beautiful tournament of the season. Rome might be second place, but, but Monte Carlo takes the cake for me. Also, the slowest clay court event of the entire swing. It can get a little bit funky because of players... Differing in their preparation. Uh, some players still getting used to the clay. Some players sometimes still recovering from very tough and physical sunshine doubles. And as a result, uh, we have seen some more openings for uh, upsets or unexpected runs in the last couple of years. Two unseeded semi-finalists last year. Two unseated semi-finalists the year before. 2019, probably one of the, the strangest and most unexpected Masters 1000 finals that we've seen in recent years. It was Fanini defeating Dusan Lajevic. So this has been pretty crazy uh, in in some respects. Uh, davidovich vakina of course, last year being the big surprise. And... In terms of how difficult it is to go back-to-back from Miami to Monte Carlo, I took a look before this preview at uh, players to make the final in both, back-to-back. I went back to 2000 to see how many players since 2000 have done it. I'll give you the year and the player. 2017 Nadal. 2015 Djokovic, 2012 Djokovic, 2009 Djokovic, 2008 Nadal, 2006 Federer, 2005 Nadal. You see a theme here? If you're not the big three, you're probably not going to do it. And even for those guys, except for Djokovic, what, right? Djokovic did it uh, three times. Nadal did it. Three times, federated at once. So even for them, it wasn't really a regular thing. Uh, even though it's pretty good to, to do it three times. Um, obviously, it's not easy. All right? And on top of that, I think a lot of the top players are in precarious situations. We, we did have some withdrawals. Alcaraz withdrew. Uh, Felix Oje Aliassime withdrew. Uh, there's there's one other who withdrew. Oh, well, Nadal. Nadal was the player who I was thinking of. I knew there was three, uh, and I understand now why I couldn't remember it was Rafa because, uh, because of Rafa's situation. Um, so hopefully we'll see him back, uh, I suppose, in Barcelona. All right, let's get into the preview. As always, quarter by quarter, um, dark horse, upset alert, early popcorn. Let's go. Novak Djokovic returns to the tour as the top seed in Monte Carlo in a group with Sinner, Hercoc, and Musetti. My dark horse here is Misha Katsmanovic. My upset alert is Hercoc and Musetti. My early popcorn match is Draper versus Baez in the first round. Katsmanovic, let's start with him. Into the Estoril final this week, as we speak, hasn't played that Estoril final yet. He'll play Kasparud. Uh, Hasn't dropped a set. He's been very, very dominant in his score lines at that event. Uh, It's obviously a short turnaround, and this is much slower clay, which I think hurts him. I think Ketsmanovic does a little bit better with with some speed uh, that can kind of help his precision. And, you know, because he doesn't bring that much penetrating power and weight of shot. Uh, But he's such a solid player, very good fitness, very high on confidence. I felt like among the unseeded players in this quarter, he was the best option. I considered Sebastian Baez, who's had great clay court success in his young career, a title this year, three clay court finals last year. But he just doesn't really have the top 50 wins that I would need to see to make him a dark horse. In fact, only one top 50 win for Baez since last July. I just need to see a little bit more than that. I also consider Jack Draper, as I always do when he's an unseated player because he's shown to be so dangerous. Uh, He's coming off of that ab injury that we saw him sustain in Miami. Uh, but he really lacks experience on the clay. He's got a 12-9 and record for his career across all levels. At the ATP level, he's only played one event in his entire career. That was Madrid last year. So that's uh, kind of why I gave the nod to Kaczmanovic. Upset alert, Hubert Hurkacz. He did make the quarterfinal last year, but he had a, a pretty excellent draw. This surface takes so much out of his serve. And that's what I think is going to really hurt him. Uh, now, Hircot's serve is good enough, so good that he he can really serve through a lot of clay courts. Uh, so I don't think that Hircot is always, you know, a player who's hopeless on clay. But I think this clay court in particular is just a, a kind of a, a step too far for him. The wind and the the speed of the court. He just doesn't get enough out of his serve, or he won't get enough out of his serve, in my opinion. Plus, he's drawn some pretty high upside players early on. Laszlo Gera, who runs very hot and cold, but when he's at his best, he's dangerous. And then second round, Baez and Draper, as I mentioned, two players who I considered making my dark horses in the quarter and just didn't pull the trigger on. But both of them are still dangerous, especially once they get a win under their belt. My other upset alert is Lorenzo Musetti. This one was pretty simple. It's just the results. One in four against top 100 players in 2023. I hope Musetti can can get it going, but you can't ignore the struggles that he's had. My uh, popcorn match is Draper versus Baez first round. Uh, you know, you can hear, by the way, I'm talking about both of the, of, of the players, both young players. I'm intrigued to see what they look like and what they can do. Uh, here on this Monte Carlo clay. Both players who I I really enjoy watching as well. Baez and and Draper, very entertaining. And I'm curious to see who comes through that one. Let's get to the quarterfinal prediction. As you can kind of hear, I'm not very high on this quarter. I have two of the seeds on upset alert. I'm not all that high on even my dark horse, Ketsmanovich. Ultimately... My quarterfinal prediction is Yannick Sinner defeating Novak Djokovic. Let me start with discussing Djokovic. I got into it a little bit in the mailbag. uh, But Novak has struggled in Monte Carlo ever since really 2015. Uh, He hasn't made a semifinal since 2015. He's lost his, uh, his second match to Dan Evans two years ago. And his first match against Davidovich Vikina last year. And it's, it's come down to fitness. It's been the same thing where he's missed the sunshine double. He's come to Monte Carlo without matches under his belt. He hasn't had good cardio. And Monte Carlo requires that kind of fitness. Because you, you are not going to get easy offense. The serve is not going to do a lot of damage. Uh, the points are going to be long. And Djokovic hasn't been able to display the rally tolerance necessary. Now, uh, I think that his draw is good enough where I have him getting back to the quarterfinal. But then against Yannick Sinner, I feel like Sinner will just have enough under his belt in the form of fitness and match toughness where you know he brings his A game, Novak doesn't, and maybe he can get his first win over Novak Djokovic, uh, who, who would have to would have to kind of adjust to the elite level of intensity that Sinner brings to the court. Now, yeah, for Yannick, of course, I'm worried about the transition after making the Miami final. Uh, fatigue, lack of clay court training, all of that. But I do think the draw is kind enough early on. And he had a good showing at Monte Carlo last year, beating Rublev, losing to Zverev in a third set tie break in the quarterfinal. And in terms of and I think this is a big factor when you're coming from Miami and you've had a tough sunshine double, which Yannick Sinner had. It would be natural to kind of have a dip in, in focus, mental intensity. For Sinner, that's not going to happen here. This is the closest thing he has to a home tournament. The crowds get very loud for him. He has a residence in Monte Carlo, trains at these courts all the time. So he's going to have those kinds of advantages. And there's... I don't think he's going to let himself really dip at this event, just given those outside circumstances, whereas some players uh, in Yannick's position, I think, would be more likely to do so. Frankly, I didn't think I'd be picking center to the semifinals before the the tournament started, Uh, but uh, when I looked at the draw and how things were going to play out, I decided to give him the nod. Let's go on to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. He is the number three seed. It is Medvedev, Runa, Nori, and Zverev. My dark horse here is Matteo Berrettini. My upset alert is Daniil Medvedev. My early popcorn is Nori versus Surundalo in the first round. Uh Nori. No, let's start with Berrettini. I feel like Matteo probably hit rock bottom at this point, and I expect him to get things going again. He's always been better on the natural surfaces. Uh, Despite having good success at the U.S. Open and the Australian Open, if you look at his best of three results, by far his most impressive work has been on clay and grass. The clay in particular tends to optimize his forehand, giving him more time to create more forehands, uh, more time to load up his power, and the higher bounce, I think they're all... Uh, positive things for Matteo Berrettini's forehand. And that can be the the weapon on the court that is standing out in matches that Matteo Berrettini uh, contests on a slow clay court. Um, upset alert, Daniil Medvedev. He'll have less than a week to train on a surface that just doesn't come naturally to him. In fact, Uh, He was talking after Miami about his schedule. He had to go uh, to, I think it was Vienna, Austria. He had to go somewhere, somewhere where random. I don't mean random as in it's a random place, but uh, it it wasn't Russia. And it was somewhere in Europe. And I, I forget where, and he didn't say why, but he had to go somewhere and didn't start his clay court training until I believe Tuesday. So that's uh or maybe even Wednesday, but let's say it's Tuesday. So that's Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. It's four days on clay uh before his first round in Monte Carlo. And we know that Medvedev isn't really comfortable moving on the surface as is. Plus, uh the amount of tennis he's played in February and March is absolutely seismic, just off the charts. So I do think Medvedev will get some results on clay this year, but not here. Uh, Fatigue factor, not enough time to really get used to the clay. And I don't think he's really expecting much from himself either. Unlike Yannick Sinner, uh, I do expect Medvedev to be someone who actually dips in intensity here, both physically and mentally. It wouldn't surprise me if Medvedev came into Monte Carlo without the, the regular ambition that we're used to seeing him come to each and every event to, you know, on a week-by-week basis. Um, Early popcorn, Nori versus Surundalo. I just feel like Surundalo, when at his best, should be a top 20 player on a slow clay court. I'm high on Nori as well, so I'm fascinated to see this one. I think it could be a very high level of tennis. Quarterfinal prediction. Cam Nori defeats Alexander Zverev. Um, I do want to mention Runa. I'm curious to see if Holger Runa uh, adjusts his game here. Monte Carlo will not reward hyper-aggressiveness at all. He needs to work the point and stay consistent. And that has not been the style of tennis that he's been playing as of late. And I'm wondering if the change in surface is going to kind of nudge him in that direction, or if he's going to continue to really play that hyper-offensive style. I'm not sure, but I'm going to sit back, wait, and see. And I'm not really predicting much for Runa here at Monte Carlo. Uh, Zverev has had decent success at Monte Carlo, but that being said, it's been his least successful clay court masters. He's been uh, incredible in Madrid. He's been good in Rome. Monte Carlo, a couple of semifinals in his career, but uh, nothing crazy. I I still don't feel like I have a great read on Zverev. I was surprised at his loss in Miami to Taro Daniel. Uh, Indian Wells was somewhat encouraging with the uh, tight third set tiebreak loss to Daniil Medvedev, who would, of course, uh, go on to uh, to make the final. Um, so I don't really know. Again, I, it's, it's kind of tough with Zverev, but I, I, I do think that it's kind of time for him to get back. The signs until Miami— had been positive, nothing but up and up and up and up. I think at some point over the course of this clay season, Zverev's going to come through with a really big result. But I went with Cam Nori, who played the golden swing this year. So he'll have more clay court reps than most of the top players under his belt. It's interesting. I don't think Nori is known as a clay court player, but for his career, clay is his highest win percentage. I think the work that he's done making his forehand more dangerous is really going to help on this surface, already has helped on this surface. Uh, Not only did he play the Golden Swing, I should mention that he made back-to-back finals and he ended up winning Rio over Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, Not only do I think the work he's done on his forehand will help, I also think his standout fitness will be a a huge advantage in Monte Carlo. He will be willing to play those tough rallies, and I expect him... um, to have a really good Monte Carlo. Now, Sarundalo, not your ideal first round. Quite scary, quite dangerous. So keep an eye out for that one. That's why it's my early popcorn. Uh, but I do have Nori uh, coming through. Kasparud's quarter. He's the number four seed. With Andre Rublev, Karen Hachinov, and Alex Dimonor. My dark horse here is Alejandro Davidovich Fikina. Upset alert is Karen Hachinov. Early popcorn is Alex Dimenor versus Andy Murray first round. Oh no, I just showed you my quarterfinal by accident. Hopefully you guys missed it. I'm going to pretend that you didn't see that. All right, Davidovich Vakina, the dark horse. 8-2 and lifetime in Monte Carlo. Defending finalist. Both of his losses here in his career have come to Stefanos Tsitsipas. He's got three top 10 wins in his career. Two of them have come at the Principality. It wouldn't shock me if he got to the semifinal again, but at the same time, he hasn't made a semifinal since he beat Grigor Dimitrov at this event last year. So, if you just look at kind of the math or the you know the odds, it's likely that davidovich Vakina loses a lot of points this week, doesn't return to the semifinal, uh, because it would be quite novel. If his powers were so much stronger at Monte Carlo that he has the ability to consistently go deep here, when he's not able to consistently go deep at any of the other—I I was going to say Masters one thousand events, but really just events throughout the year. I mean, Davidovich Fakina is not someone who week to week has has made semifinals, as I you know, just just mentioned he hasn't made a single one since Monte Carlo. So uh, it, it would be strange if if he just did it again here. Now, I do think uh, he loves this event. He loves the court speed. He uses his athleticism uh, and his power really, really well here. So he's a dark horse. He's by far among the unseated players, the player who I feel is most likely to make a run. But that said, it's it's a dangerous week for him uh, from a points standpoint, that's for sure. Upset alert, Karen Hatchinov, 4-6 and six career record at Monte Carlo, not all that impressive. Uh, he can seem a little bit lost trying to create offense on surfaces that don't reward his linear power. Uh, plus, he made the final weekend in Miami, one of those players who I think might be a little bit short on preparation. Early popcorn is Demonor versus Andy Murray first round because of course, would you expect anything less? No, you wouldn't. Quarterfinal, Andre Rublev defeats Casper Rude. Rude has finally gone on a run here in 2023 in Estoril. He's made the final there. I'm not completely convinced by his level, certainly positive signs, uh, Signs that things are going in the right direction for Kasper Rude. Uh, But he did drop a set to Quentin Alice. Uh, He dropped a set to Joao Souza as well. A good win over Sebastian Baez for sure. Uh, But Rude needs to show me a little bit more uh, until I'll be ready to uh, really back him at an event like this. Andrey Rublev, on the other hand, uh, made the final here two years ago in Monte Carlo. Also a guy who came off to a slow start in 2023. But I do feel he's found himself since Dubai. His Sunshine double losses were to Nori and Sinner. So uh, nothing to be ashamed of there. And uh, he plays Rude really well. He's able to dominate court position and attack the backhand. He actually uh, beat Caspar Rude in the semis in 2021. When, uh, when Rublev made the Monte Carlo final. And ultimately uh, lost to Stefanos Tsitsipas. Let's move on to Stefanos Tsitsipas's quarter. Speaking of the devil. He's got Taylor Fritz. Francis Tiafo, And Borna Chorich. My dark horse here is Grigor Dimitrov. My upset alert is Tsitsipas. Early popcorn is Tiafo Versus Lehechka in the first round. Dimitrov. Two-time semi-finalist in Monte Carlo. It's his best Masters 1000 by win percentage. Uh, it is tough to finish against him. With his athleticism. On this slow surface. But sometimes it's kind of tough to figure out. What kinds of conditions actually suit Grigor Dimitrov. And sometimes it feels like the events that he plays best at. Uh, is just the events that he likes. He does live In Monte Carlo, so uh, maybe that's something. Maybe there's something there. Uh, A lot of players live in Monte Carlo, and some of them do well and some of them don't. So it's certainly not a distinguishing factor. uh, But Dimitrov tends to have a couple of events that he really loves. Rotterdam, Indian Wells, Monte Carlo is one of them. Pass, upset alert. First of all, this is his best event. Uh, Pass has won two big titles in his career. Both of them, Monte Carlo. Uh, sorry, two Masters 1000s in his career. Both of them, Monte Carlo. Um, he's back-to-back champion. But I'm not clear on what the plan is for the shoulder to get better if rest isn't part of the equation. Now I don't want to be speculative. I'm not a doctor, but I, I simply I don't understand how the shoulder could get better if if he just kept playing on it. Uh, and that's why he's upset alert for me. I, I just have concerns about that backhand, which you know, he could flatten it out and swing pretty fast, but he couldn't really finish uh, the way he wants to normally finish. Uh, that's what was causing him pain, uh, and because he couldn't really finish up high, he couldn't put topspin on the ball. He would he could kind of come through it flat. Uh, I was critical of Titi Pass playing Indian Wells, and I, I just want to put a thread on what's kind of happened or what happened in March. Uh, I criticized him based on what he said before the tournament. Uh, Before Indian Wells what he said made no sense to me. He he was like right now the priority is focusing on clay and I have no chance to do well and he didn't say anything. He didn't really say much else and I'm just like what that makes no sense. So I critiqued that. Then before Miami he actually told the truth. He told the truth which is that he didn't want to play Indian Wells. He didn't want to play Miami. And he felt his his hand was forced by the rule book. His agent, um, and I, I guess his team, you know, I don't want to just put it on his agent, but they they felt that they might get sanctioned slash punished by the ATP if they pulled out of Indian Wells and Miami. There are some strict rules. If you're a top 30 player who is less than 31 years old. Has been pro for less than eight years and has played less than 600 matches. Uh, there are strict rules about playing Masters 1000 tournaments. And there is language in the rule book about potentially being suspended from the Masters 1000 that you did best at from the previous year if you don't play, uh, it, or sorry, if you withdraw from a Masters 1000. Um, a mandatory one. Monte Carlo is the only one that's not mandatory, so you're allowed to pull out of it. Um now there are examples of players clearly finding a way out of this rule and I don't think that this punishment has been implemented um ever. I don't think I don't think anybody can find an example of the ATP actually sanctioning a player for pulling out of Masters 1000, but Tsitsipas and his team were concerned about this, so they played anyway. Ultimately, I, I find the whole situation rather unfortunate. I I feel like a workaround could have been could have been found, and really there there should have been some kind of solution because players obviously shouldn't be forced to play events injured. And I, I, again, I think that players in the past have found their way out of these kinds of situations. So I don't know uh, why this happened, but this is what happened. They were concerned that if Pass didn't play Indian Wells in Miami, that he would not be allowed to earn points slash play uh, Monte Carlo. All right. Popcorn match here, Tiafoe versus LaHechka. Uh, curious to see what Yuri LaHechka looks like on clay. Uh, he's kind of struggled since blowing those six match points against Andy Murray in the Middle East. Tiafoe, another guy who I'm, I'm kind of curious about. Uh, he surprised me at Indian Wells. I didn't think those conditions would suit him, and he made the semifinals, so... Uh, I will be intrigued to see how he does. But he played Houston. He's playing Houston, I should say. That's not a good sign for Monte Carlo, especially the, the change in time zone is particularly brutal when you're traveling from uh, the United States to uh, Monaco uh, and you have to kind of play on short notice. Not, not great. Quarterfinal prediction here is Taylor Fritz defeats Stefanos Tsitsipas. Look, first of all, what Tsitsipas did show us in Miami is that even without a backhand, he can be quite dangerous. He can beat a lot of guys. And that should be true, especially in Monte Carlo, where he can use his legs to create a lot of forehands anyway. Um, But I feel that Taylor Fritz is going to have a great showing here. And be a level too high for a Stefanos Pass if his backhand is as compromised as it has been. Which again, I don't really see a reason why it's going to get better unless he rests it. I'm very confused about the plan here uh, for, for Stefanos and the rest of the clay court season. I continue to monitor it. Uh, And I I will continue to monitor it. I hope that it magically heals. Uh, I just don't understand how something just heals when you continue to play on it. All right, I'm beating a dead horse. So that's kind of why I have Taylor Fritz. Um, More on Fritz. More on Fritz right now. He started prioritizing clay in 2019. The extra time, uh, the high bounce is great for his forehand. It's why he's played so well at Indian Wells. At this point, I feel his fitness and his rally tolerance is good enough to succeed here. It wasn't for a long time. Uh, he was a junior Roland Garros finalist. He's got a 5-3 and three record at Monte Carlo. He made the, the quarterfinal last year. But the truth is, we haven't really seen Fritz 2.0 on clay. Taylor Fritz became a different player fall of 2021. That's when he made a leap and started playing like a top 10 player. But since the fall of 2021, the only clay event he's played is Monte Carlo 2022 because he got injured. So I really feel like he's going to surprise some people. Uh, Because we haven't seen the improved version of Fritz on clay, um, he's still not really thought of as a clay court player. But I think in a lot of ways, the clay uh, actually does help his baseline game. I think Taylor's going to surprise some people. And in general, he's been so consistent with his level this year, and he's really impressed me. You know, he hasn't really had a big run, yet he's sixth in the race. It's been his week-to-week consistency that stood out. And players who are able to bring that kind of high-level week-to-week, and uh, Taylor doesn't really feel like he has completely found the A-plus game yet, it's going to come. Uh, the fact that he's been able to get the results that he has with his B game has been pretty impressive. Uh, he did not play Houston like his American counterparts, like a Tommy Paul, like a Francis Tiafo. And that also shows you that he cares a lot about playing well here at Monte Carlo. He has adjusted to the conditions. He's adjusted to the time zone. Um, So all of these things bode well. Let's get to the final weekend. Fritz defeats Rublev in three sets. Nori defeats Sinner in three sets. Fritz defeats Nori in three sets. Taylor Fritz has played Andre Rublev really well. He seems to have a great grasp on that head-to-head. He's won the last three. Nori, I think, can wear down Sinner. Look, I just don't really want to pick Yannick Sinner. Uh, To go back-to-back, Miami final, Monte Carlo final, I think it's such a hard thing to do. As I mentioned at the start of this video, since 2000, nobody outside of the big three has been able to pull that off. Fritz Nori in the final, kind of a toss-up. I don't want to put too much thought into it. I I couldn't really decide there. And look, if it it actually happens, I'll I'll consider myself very, very lucky. Uh, But I went with Taylor Fritz because I feel like he's just such a, Good, big match player. And uh, I've seen Nori struggle with some nerves from time to time. So I gave the nod to Taylor. But, um, again, it'd be a great result for either of those guys. Fritz winning Monte Carlo? Yeah, that'd be a surprise. But, as I said, because of the withdrawals, because of the situation that Medvedev, Sinner, um, and... um. Djokovic find themselves in Alcaraz withdrawing I just don't think it's going to be your usual suspects I don't see that and the guys who dominated February and March I just don't see them waltzing into Monte Carlo and necessarily continuing their success so I feel like it's going to be wide open there might be some surprises it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out should be able to bring you a lot of coverage Uh, throughout the tournament. Looking forward to that. Uh, Sorry if I didn't have the usual mental sharpness this video. I've been under the weather, and uh, I'm feeling a little bit foggy, but maybe you didn't even notice. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.